Give the jewel to me. I want the jewel. Episode 83, uh, the Tipitaka Part 22, I hope. Um, today we'll be continuing the Sangha di Sessa, the formal meetings portion of uh, the discipline basket rules analysis, as you saw in the opening uh, credits. For those of you who are hearing the audio-only version, hello, I haven't forgotten about you. If you're bored sometime, you can go on YouTube and uh, just search for Edward Reed's Buddhist books and uh, check out this episode and you'll see the new beginning credits. Um, if this is your first time seeing me, before I do that, I was, I was thinking, who, who are the best people? I mean, not the best people, but who would benefit the most from watching these? I mean, surely people scrolling through YouTube, clicking things just sort of for mindless entertainment have already clicked away. So uh, those of you who are still with me, I'm curious. I think that the best, not the best as in like the best people, but the most perfect fit for this video for these this podcast for the for this I don't know it's just a thought thought experiment I was doing you might say while I was laying down for a little while um, would be people who are doing some kind of like master's degree in comparative religion or Eastern religion or Eastern philosophy or Buddhism and they're uh, being required by their course to read the Polytext Society translation of the Tipitaka, but they just can't seem to do it and stay awake. So instead, you can just work out, listen to this on your drive. It's not cheating. Since when are listening to audiobooks cheating? Um, I don't think there are any such audiobooks prior to this, so I apologize for my, uh, you know, talking more than just reading. You can skip a bit if you want to just jump ahead to the reading. Um, other people might be people who were raised Buddhist, perhaps Mahayana or Vajrayana Buddhist, and never really dove in and at some point got curious about the original texts, the earliest texts, um, and uh, want to hear what they have to say and are willing to kind of like sit through the repetition and some of the boring parts in order to find out, well, you know, I mean, uh, what was being said? Others of you might be a little bit more like the camp that I fall into, 
which is people from kind of what they might term the West, who, by way of sort of a New Age spirituality, became interested in Buddhism, you know, on kind of a meme level. Um, for me, I'm one generation, perhaps two generations removed from such folk. Uh, my dad's dad, as you, if you saw the one a couple episodes ago, you already know all this. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, people who learned about Buddhism from from modern authors, from modern teachers, from people who who learned from other modern authors and modern teachers. Um, for those who don't know, there are many of us uh, who, in the West, I, for example, learned from my father, and he learned from a, a man who was Italian, and he learned from a man who was Tibetan, supposedly. Um, but yeah, there are, just like there are Native American groups in uh, Arizona that are entirely populated with people who are not Native American, uh, who are white or perhaps, you know, Chinese American or, you know, African American, this kind of thing. Um, so there's a lot of that in California, New York, probably UK and Sweden and other places, Shimbalaya, for instance. Um, so yeah, people kind of coming from that background who wanted to dig a little further than authors talking about Vajrayana Buddhism within the past 30, 40 years. Um, maybe people who were wanting to get back behind that sort of magical Buddhism and then back behind the religious Buddhism to get to what, who was the Buddha though? You know, who, who was this guy? What was going on? And uh, realizing that the closest we can come to that is to read the Tipitaka or the Tripitaka, the first text, the original text, the non-sectarian text from back before there were different branches of Theravada back before there was Mahayana when there was only one Buddhist order what what were their texts what were their words and uh, that led you to here or you saw the thumbnail and for some reason decided to click it or you just really like my face and uh, the sound of my voice that seems the least likely um, but yeah so I'm curious if, uh, if you are indeed watching this whole series intentionally, I mean, obviously, if you'd like to just kind of like, as they say, lurk, no, no judgment. But if you'd like to remain silent and just receive the information and not volunteer any information, I totally understand, believe me. Um, but if, if it, you know, doesn't cause you any discomfort to do so, I would love to hear your story. Um, if you'd like to write in a long paragraph, a short paragraph, a sentence, a few words, feel free to do so below. That all being said, if this is your first time seeing me, I would recommend clicking here rather than continuing to watch this video as that uh, will take you to part one of the Tipitaka recitals and you can read it all in order because there's kind of a flow to it. It starts with the four big rules, and then the 13 almost as big rules, and we are on number six. Um, the sixth uh, rule, the breaking of which requires everybody to get together for a formal meeting of the order uh, so that they can admit publicly that they did it publicly in front of the other monks,
and uh, that it's understood. Everybody knows that they are now considered at the beginning of their process. So the first five, um, five, right. The first five directly and indirectly involved a particular monk named Uyadin, right? Is that his name? Um, so let's, I, I was, I have, I have a lot of statues and I have statues of all the little uh, Diani Buddhas, but they look kind of just like, they all kind of look the same except for their hand position. I was thinking, you know, to assign, okay, this is Uyadin, and these are the other monks, and kind of move them around as we go. But uh, I don't know. I Though to me, that seems relatively harmless. I thought that one or two of you, that might seem a little bit disrespectful. So I, I instead will, uh, I think it's entirely respectful to use the donkey, from the Christianity shrine over here. This is the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on. But for today, we'll let that be Uyadin. And as soon as his name is mentioned, if his name is mentioned, we'll bring him in. If his name isn't mentioned, then hallelujah. But seems more likely at this point than not. Statistically speaking, most of these rules seem to involve him doing something awful. So... Sometimes awful uh, by our standards today, and sometimes mm, kind of okay by our standards today. Like he recommends to another monk that he try masturbating because it helps him to deal with his emotional struggles. And that might not be terrible advice today, but uh, he also sexually harasses women and touches them without the permission. And then he, he kind of reveals himself as a bit of what the kids call an incel in this uh, in in rule number four, where he asks one of his you know devoted followers, um, you know a woman who supports him with uh, food and clothing, uh, to support him with sexual intercourse, and she says, "Will that help?" And he says, "Yes." And so she takes off her clothes, and he's like, "Ew, you're smelly!" And he runs out spitting. So, yeah, clearly he's. A virgin. He's never actually. Uh, he's he's just kind of one of. He's like a, a grown up horny pervert. Although he might be fourteen. I mean, the life expectancy back then was was less. So he, we might actually be talking about a thirteen year old named Uyadin. It's not really clear. They haven't said. Um, but we shall see. Um, there was something else, but I forgot what it was. Uh, our special guest, Lord Buddha, of course. You've seen him before. I'm hoping that that's Lord Buddha. It might be Amitabha, but for our purposes, this is Siddhartha Gautama. So when you see me talking to him or motioning to him when he comes up in the stories, then uh, yes, that's the intention. So uh, without further ado, let's begin the reading. Part six. Formal Meeting, Sangha di Sessa, Part 6. At one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Rajagaha. Oh, thank goodness, they've finally moved to a new place. Maybe they're going to have new problems. Um, in the bamboo grove, that's Rajgir, by the way, where Mahavir was from, 
about 13 and a half hours walk from Bodh Gaya to the northeast. Anyway, that's where the Vulture Peak is. There's a lot of things that happen at Vulture Peak. But here we are in the bamboo grove at the squirrel's feeding place. At that time, the monks of Alavi, begging in company, Let's see, boys born in the kingdom of Alavi were called Alavaka. At the time of their going forth, they were known as Alavaka. These monks often gave trouble over new buildings. Okay, so uh, so far, I'm assuming that these are not Buddhist monks. These are, not, these are different monks because there was more than one order uh, at that time. Of course, Jainism was uh, getting started under Mahavir, though it had previously existed in other forms. Um, and as they say, there were, you know, besides Buddhism and Jainism, there were 60 different groups of monks roaming around uh, under leaders at that time. It was sort of like the 70s. Anyway, um, so we'll see where this goes. Oh, one small point of clarification for those of you who've been following along. Um, part four, upon listening to it after yesterday's recital, um, I believe that when the the barren woman, or rather, there was a woman who said, how can I please my husband? And Uyadin, or some monk, some monk uh, said, uh, uh, give the gift, give the highest gift. What is the highest gift? Sexual intercourse. I believe he was saying, give me that gift, and then that will make you uh, desirable to your husband. So the rule number four is don't ask for sexual intercourse from people. Right? So rule number three was don't like insult people or compliment them too much about their bodies or their clothes. Rule number four is don't directly ask them to have sex with you. So rather than uh, it being don't talk about sexual intercourse. In my synopsis at the end of the previous uh, recital, I had said that rule number four was don't even mention sexual intercourse. But I think that's not actually the case. It's don't ask for it as a, as a donation from your uh, devoted um, the people who give tithes the people who, who support you if you're a monk, right, back then okay where were we? yes, they were begging in company, the uh, monks of Alavi begging in company were having huts built with no benefactor for their own advantage and not according to measure according to measure, having them built without a donor. Right, okay. But these were not finished. They lived intent on begging, intent on hinting. I keep wanting to check these footnotes. Having built them without a donor. What? That's not helping. What kind of footnote is that? All right. Well, I'll keep reading. I apologize. Okay. Uh, yes, they, intended, they, they lived intent on begging, intent on hinting with no explanation about what that means. Quote, give a man, give a servant, give an ox, give a wagon, give a knife, give a hatchet, give an axe, give a spade, give a chisel, give a creeper, give bamboo, give moonja grass, give coarse grass, give tina grass. Tina needs grass. No, it's a type of grass apparently called tina grass. No. Yes, give clay, end quote. People were oppressed with the begging, oppressed with the hinting. And when they saw the monks, they were perturbed, then alarmed, 
Then they ran away. Then they went by a different route, turned in another direction, and closed the door. I think some of us can relate with that. Um, and when they saw cows, they ran away, imagining them to be monks. <laughs> so they're so inundated with, the, with these monks of a lobby begging that even seeing a cow, they're like, oh no, it's another one of those monks coming to beg. Then the venerable Kasyapa the Great arose from spending the rains in Rajagaha and set out for Alavi. In due course, he arrived at Alavi. There the Venerable Kasyapa the Great stayed in the chief shrine at Alavi. Then the Venerable Kasyapa the Great, rising early and taking his bowl and robes, entered Alavi for alms. People seeing the Venerable Kasyapa the Great were perturbed, then alarmed, then they ran away, then they went by a different route, turned in another direction and closed the door. Have you ever uh, seen those Greenpeace people with their clipboards outside your place of... Uh, then the Venerable Kasyapa the Great, having walked Alavi for alms, after having eaten and finished his meal, addressed the monks, saying, maybe these are Buddhist monks. Well, let's read on and it'll become clear, no doubt. Quote, formerly, your reverences, Alavi had good alms food. Alms were easily obtained. It was easy to keep oneself going by gleaning or by favor. But now this alavi is short of alms food. Alms are difficult to obtain, nor is it easy to keep oneself going by gleaning or by favor. What is the reason, what the cause, that now this alavi is short of alms food, that alms are difficult to obtain, that it is not easy to keep oneself going by gleaning or by favor. End quote. Then the monks told this matter to the venerable Kasyapa the Great. Then the Lord, having dwelt at Rajagaha for as long as he thought fit, set out on a tour for Alavi. Making the tour, in due course he arrived at Alavi. There at Alavi, the Lord dwelt in the chief shrine at Alavi. Then the venerable Kasyapa the Great approached the Lord, and having approached him, he greeted the Lord and sat down to one side. Sitting to one side, the venerable Kasyapa the Great told this matter to the Lord. Then the Lord, on that occasion, for that reason, having had the order of monks convened, questioned the monks of Alavi, saying, okay, so the monks of Alavi are part of Buddha's order, part of Buddha's Sangha. They were just these particular monks in Alavi. They were begging too much. All right. So the Lord said to them, <clears throat> Is it true, as is said, that you, monks, begging in company, were having huts built with no benefactor for your own advantage, not according to measure, and that these were not completed? They say that you dwelt intent on begging, intent on hinting, give a man three dots. Three dots, seeing cows, they ran away, taking them for monks, end quote. 
It is true, Lord. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, How can you foolish men, begging in company, have huts built? Three dots. Give a man three dots. Give clay. It is not foolish men, for the benefit of unbelievers. Three dots. Having rebuked them and having given Domatok, he addressed the monks. Quote, Formerly, monks, two brothers, parentheses, who were, and parentheses, holy men, uh, lived close by the river Ganges. Ganga is its actual name. Ganges is the anglicized name. Then monks, Manikanta, the Naga king, Naga Kanya, the, uh, the Naga queen. All right. The Naga king, emerging from the river Ganga, came up to the younger holy man, and having come up and encircled the younger holy man seven times with his coils, he stood spreading his great hood above his head. Look like that, I guess. Then monks, the younger holy man, through fear of this snake, became thin, wretched, of bad color, yellowish, his veins showing all over his body. Monks, the elder holy man saw the younger holy man was thin, wretched, of bad color, yellowish, the veins showing all over his body. Seeing this, he said to the younger holy man, quote, Why are you, good sir, thin, three dots all over your body? The three dots were filling in for words that Mr. Horner didn't feel like translating that day. End quote. Now, the Naga king Manikanta came out of the river Ganga for me and came up to me and having come up and having encircled me seven times with his coils, he stood spreading his great hood above my head. I, good sir, through fear of the snake, became thin, space dot, space, space, all over my body, end quote, within quotes, Buddha's talking still, quote, within quote, but, good sir, do you not want this snake to return? End quote. Quote, good sir, I do want this snake to return. End quote. Quote, do you, good sir, see anything of this snake? End quote. Quote, I see, good sir, the jeweled ornament on his throat. End quote. Quote, then, good sir, you beg this snake for the jewel, saying, good sir, give me the jewel. I want the jewel, end quote. Then, monks, Manikanta, the Naga king, emerging from the river Ganga, came up to the younger holy man, and having come up, he stood to one side. Monks, as he was standing to one side, the younger holy man said to Manikanta, the Naga king, quote, good sir, Give the jewel to me. I want the jewel. End quote. Then Manikanta, the Naga king, said, quote, A monk begs for the jewel. A monk wants the jewel. End quote. And he hurried away. 
A second time, monks, did Manikanta, emerging, three dots, come up to the younger holy man. Then, monks, the younger holy man saw Manikanta, the Naga king, coming from afar. And seeing Manikanta, the Naga king, he said, Good sir, give me the jewel. I want the jewel. Then, monks, Manikanta, the Naga king, said, quote, A monk begs for the jewel. A monk wants the jewel. And then he turned away again. A third time, monks, Manikanta, the Naga king, came up from the river Ganga. Then, monks, the younger holy man, saw Manikanta, the Naga king, emerging from the river Ganga. And seeing him, he said to Manikanta, the Naga king, Good sir, give me the jewel. I want the jewel. Then monks Manikanta, the Naga king, addressed these verses to the younger holy man. Quote, My food and drink is produced abundantly, excellently, by reason of this jewel. I do not give it to you. You are one who asks too much, and not for you will I come to a hermitage. Like a lad, his hand on a tempered sword, you frighten me, begging for this stone. I do not give it to you. You are one who asks too much, and not for you will I come to a hermitage. End quote. Then monks, Manikanta the Naga king said, A monk begs for the jewel, a monk wants the jewel. He went away, then he was gone and did not come back again. Then monks, the younger holy man, not seeing that beautiful snake, became increasingly thin, wretched, of a bad color, yellowish, the veins showing all over his body. The elder holy man, seeing that younger holy man had become increasingly thin, three dots, the veins showing all over his body, said to the younger holy man, Why are you, good sir, increasingly thin, space dot, space, 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 the veins showing all over your body? It is because I, good sir, do not see the beautiful snake that I become increasingly thin, many spaces, the veins showing all over my body. Then monks the elder holy man addressed these verses to the younger holy man. Do not beg him who is dear for what you covet. It is odious to ask for too much. The snake begged by a Brahmin for a jewel disappeared and was not seen. Again, again is in parentheses. Monks begging from these animals and living creatures will become hated. Begging by hinting will become hated. How much more, then, will begging from men? Once upon a time, monks, a certain monk lived in a certain thicket on a slope of the Himalayas. Monks, not far from the thicket was an extensive, low-lying, marshy ground. Then, monks... A great flock of birds going daily to feed in this marshy ground entered the thicket at night to roost. Then, monks, 
that monk, worried by the noise of the flocking birds, came up to me, and having come up to me and greeted me, he sat down to one side. Birds. Yes. Sitting to one side, I said, Monks, to that monk, I hope, monk, you are getting on well. I hope, monk, you are keeping going, having accomplished your journey with but little fatigue. But where do you come from, monk? Quote, I am getting along fairly well, Lord. I am keeping going, Lord. And Lord, I have accomplished my journey with but little fatigue. There is, Lord, on the slopes of the Himalayas, a large thicket. And Lord, not far from this thicket, there is an extensive, low-lying, marshy ground. Now, Lord, a great flock of birds going daily to feed at that marshy ground, goes into that thicket at night to roost. That is why I come, Lord, for I am worried by the noise of that flock of birds. I said, Monk, do you want this flock of birds not to return? I want, Lord, this flock of birds not to return. I said, I being Buddha, Buddha still talking, I said, then you, monk, going there and penetrating this thicket three times in the first watch of the night must utter this sound. Quote, within quote, within quote. Yes, three layers of quotes. So this is the Buddha telling a story in which he said to the monk, quote, you should say this, quote. Quotes within quotes within quotes. That's fun. Listen to me, good sirs. Whatever birds have come to roost in this thicket, I want a feather. Good sirs, give me one feather at a time. End quote. But still within quotes, within quotes. Three times in the middle watch, three dots. Three times in the last watch, three dots. Quote, at a time, quote. So you say, say that whole thing three times. Then monks... This monk, having gone there, and having penetrated the thicket, uttered this sound three times, three dots. In the middle watch of the night, three dots. In the last watch of the night, three dots, at a time. Then monks, that first flock of birds, said, The monk begs for a feather, the monk wants a feather, and they departed from that thicket, and after they were gone, they did not come back again. Begging, monks from these animals and living creatures will become hateful. Hinting will become hateful. Will become in parentheses the second time. How much more than from men? Once upon a time, monks, the father of Ratapala, the noble youth, addressed these verses to Ratapala, the noble youth. Though I do not know them, Ratapala, the many folk, these, meeting me, beg. Why do you not beg of me? End quote, quote. The beggar is not liked. The not-giver to beggar is not liked. End quote. Therefore, I do not beg of you. Do not be angry with me. Monks, if Ratapala, the noble youth, 
can speak thus to his own father, how much more can any person to any other person? Any and any other were in parentheses. Monks, it is difficult for householders to collect possessions and difficult to protect their stores. How can you, foolish men, dwell intent on begging, intent on asking by hinting, or something, parentheses, from among these possessions which are difficult to collect, and from among these stores which are difficult to protect, saying, give me a man, give me a servant, give me an ox, give me a wagon, give me a knife, give me a hatchet, give me an axe, give me a spade, give me a chisel, give me a creeper, give me bamboo, give munja grass, give coarse grass, give tina grass, give clay. This is not foolish men for the benefit of unbelievers. Three dots, something to the effect of this is to the detriment of the faith of unbelievers and believers, and it causes wavering in some. And monks, thus this course of training should be set forth. A monk begging in company for having a hut built, which has no benefactor, for his own advantage, should make it according to measure. This is the measure. In length, twelve spans of a span of the accepted length. In width, seven spans inside. Monks should be brought for marking out the site. Monks, uh, a site not involving destruction and with an open space around it should be marked out by these monks. If that monk should build a hut, begging himself for a site which involves destruction and which has not an open space around it, or if he should not bring the monks for marking out a site, or if he should, should exceed the measure, there is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. So I've been kind of looking forward to this, uh, if you recall, or if you don't, either way, um, of the Parajika rules. Those are the four big rules. The first one is no sex. The second one is no stealing. Um, so the, the formal meeting rules were uh, rule one through rule five were all related to having sex. So now we're on rule six and it's related to stealing. So it's like a, a, sub, a subset of stealing. You're not just walking in and taking their stuff. You're pestering, begging for stuff, right? Okay. Begging in company means oneself begging for a man, for a servant, for an ox, for a wagon, for a knife, for a hatchet, for an axe, for a, a spade, for a chisel, and many spaces in which no doubt there were intended to be three dots, for tina grass, for clay. A hut means it is smeared inside or it is smeared outside or it is smeared inside and outside. That's what a hut means. For having, space dot, space, space dot, space. Built means building or causing to be built. Without a benefactor means there is not anyone who is the owner, either a woman or a man or a householder, or who has gone forth. For his own advantage means for the good of himself. 
should make it according to measure. This is the measure in length 12 spans of a span of the accepted length means for the outside measure in width 7 inside for the inside measure. Monks should be brought for marking out a site means that a monk building a hut, having cleared a site for a hut, approaching the order, arranging his robe over one shoulder, honoring the feet of the senior monks, squatting down on his heels, and saluting with his palms outstretched, should speak thus to them. Honored sirs, I, begging in company, for my own advantage, am desirous of building a hut. It has no benefactor, honored sirs, benefactor. Honored sirs, I beg the order for inspection of the site for a hut. End quote. A second time it should be begged for. A third time it should be begged for. If the whole order is able to inspect a site for a hut, it should be inspected by the whole order. But if the whole order is not able to inspect a site for a hut, then those monks who are experienced and competent to know what involves destruction, what does not involve destruction, what has an open space around it, what does not have an open space around it, begging these, they should depute them. Depute, like to deputize, perhaps, in old Victorian speak. And thus, monks... Should they depute them, them is in parentheses, the order should be informed by an experienced, competent monk, quote, honored sirs, let the order listen to me, such and such a monk, begging in company for his own advantage, desirous of building a hut which has no benefactor, begs the order for inspection of the site for a hut. If it is the right time for the order, the order should depute uh, such and such monks to inspect a site for a hut for that monk. This is the motion. Let the order listen to me, honored sirs. Such and such a monk, three dots, site for a hut. The order deputes such and such monks to inspect a site for a hut for such and such a monk. If it seems good to the venerable ones to depute this, the inspection of a site for a hut to such and such monks for that monk, be silent. If it does not seem good, then you should speak. Such and such monks are deputed by the order to inspect a site for a hut for such and such a monk. It seems good to the order, therefore they are silent. Thus do I understand. End quote, within quotes. These monks, thus deputed, going there, a site for a hut should be inspected. It should be known whether it involves destruction, whether it does not involve destruction, whether it has an open space around it, whether it does not have an open space around it. If it involves destruction and has not an open space around it, it should be said, do not build here. If it does not involve destruction and has an open space around it, the order should be told that it does not involve destruction and that it has an open space around it. The monk building the hut going up to the order, rearranging his robe over one shoulder, honoring the feet of the senior monks, squatting down on his heels, and saluting with his palms outstretched, should speak thus. Quote, 
I, honored sirs, begging in company, am desirous of, bu- of building a hut. It has no benefactor. It is for my own advantage. Honored sirs, I beg the order to mark out the site for a hut. A second time it should be begged for. A third time it should be begged for. The order should be informed by an experienced, competent monk. Honored sirs, let the order listen to me. Such and such a monk begging in company is desirous of building a hut. It has no benefactor. It is for his own advantage. He begs the order to mark out a site for a hut. If it is the right time for the order, the order should mark out a site for a hut for such and such a monk. This is the motion. Honored sirs, let the order listen to me. Such and such a monk, three dots, three dots, site for a hut. The order marks out a site for a hut for such and such a monk. If the marking out of the site for a hut for such and such a monk seems good to the venerable ones, be silent. If it does not seem good, then speak. The site for a hut for such and such a monk is marked out by the order. It seems good to the order. Therefore, they are silent. Thus do I understand. End quote. Involving destruction means if it is the abode of ants, or if it is the abode of termites, or if it is the abode of rats, or if it is the abode of snakes, or if it is the abode of scorpions, or if it is the abode of centipedes or if it is the abode of elephants, or if it is the abode of horses, or if it is the abode of lions, or if it is the abode of tigers, or if it is the abode of leopards, or if it is the abode of bears, or if it is the abode of hyenas, or if it is the abode of any other animals or living creatures, or if it is connected with grain, or if it is connected with vegetables, or if it is connected with the slaughtering place, or if it is connected with the execution block, or if it is connected with a cemetery, or if it is connected with a pleasure grove, or if it is connected with the king's property, or if it is connected with elephant stables, or if it is connected with horses' stables, or if it is connected with a prison, or if it is connected with a tavern, or if it is connected with a slaughterhouse, or if it is connected with a carriage road, or if it is connected with a crossroad, or if it is connected with a public rest house, or if it is connected with a meeting place. This means involving destruction. Not with an open space round it means it is not possible to go round it even with a yoked wagon, to go round it everywhere with a ladder, This means not with an open space around it. Not involving destruction means if it is not the abode of ants, nor it is the abode of termites, three dots, it is not connected with a meeting place. This means not involving destruction. With an open space around it means it is possible to go round it, even with a yoked wagon, to go round it everywhere with a ladder. This means with an open space Round it. I'm going to go ahead and close here for today, though we have not yet finished Sangha Visesa 6. We will finish it uh, next time. We'll pick up right where we left off. 
So, Lord Buddha cared even for termites, even for ants. If there's ants there, if you would have to destroy the home of ants to build your hut there, it's a no-go. It's beautiful, isn't it? Um, the, yeah, the, I, there's a lot of discussion I've noticed in some of the comment threads. Uh, you know, this debate about whether Lord Buddha was a vegetarian, which he, strictly speaking, was not. Um, and people are shocked when people say that because he was for peace and compassion for all beings. And yet when someone offered him meat, he ate it. Um, and his monks ate meat as well. When they would go begging, sometimes they would be given meat and they wouldn't say, oh no, I don't eat meat. That's kind of like, yeah, I don't think they slaughtered animals. That's the thing. They didn't go out and kill animals and cook the meat. Sometimes uh, they would find the leftovers from a lion's kill. A lion will have killed something, eaten part of it and left, and then they would go and take some meat and cook it. So they had like a little bit of a different standard, but the spirit of that compassion was there uh, that, that I think uh, a lot of modern day people who abstain from meat, um, because these days, you know, it's a whole different situation. You go to the grocery store and you buy meat and imply it as a slaughterhouse, right? Um, and you don't go to a restaurant or, or that kind of thing. And then it's a little bit mixed. I know uh, when I was active in an Orthodox Catholic church, there's periods of time where you're supposed to abstain from meat um, as part of the Christian tradition, not quite the same as, you know, uh, maybe it's compassion related, but I think it has more to do with, with uh, making yourself abstain from things that you like in honor of uh, different parts of the year. Nonetheless, uh, my priest at the time told a story about how he was training a younger priest and they went to have Thanksgiving dinner um, and it was during the nativity fast. And so the younger priest in training um, abstained and said, oh, no turkey for me. I'm, I'm not eating meat right now. And um, my old priest, Father Alexi, told him, you know, told the, the host, he'll have, he'll have some turkey. And the younger priest was a little bit shocked. And then afterward, he took him aside and told him, when you're, when you're in someone's home, you're a guest in someone's home, they offer you food. It's impolite and a sign of actually spiritual pride to uh, say you know, no to food you're being offered. So that seems to be kind of in line with, I think, the Buddhist thinking um, as far as that goes. But yet, he did not permit his monks to destroy an anthill. And if you remember in Parajika, um, I think it was the very beginning, actually, of Parajika. It started with not Uyadin, who was a different monk, who had built a, a mud hut, and Lord Buddha had it destroyed because, because of how much life would be destroyed by the creation of a mud hut, by cooking mud. I mean, nowadays we know there's billions and trillions of microscopic organisms in mud and so he did not permit people to heat mud up until it was hard uh, f out of compassion for these uh, beings and if you remember for those who were watching the entire series there was an entire sutra in the Jain sutras um, talking about uh, 
creatures of five senses, creatures of four senses, three senses, two senses, and one sense, creatures that only have the sense of touch and uh, not doing any harm to them, doing your best to avoid harming them. And uh, I'll go ahead and point to that recital because it seems like a nice place if you want to click away and check that out um, because it ties in directly to this, that sutra where you basically apologize for the animals and creatures that you accidentally killed in the process of living your life, even though you did your best to avoid, I mean, you didn't intentionally kill anything, but as careful as you were, you couldn't avoid killing a few things that you didn't even realize you killed, so you're asking for forgiveness so that you can move forward toward enlightenment. So... Those are my thoughts on that, and uh, we'll, like I said, we'll pick up right where we left off next time. Hope everyone's doing well, and uh, hope you're enjoying the new intro, and uh, all right, until next time. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love, and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh. If you're still with me, if you're so inclined, please feel free to